0: Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to say thank you to them right now. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Hurf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Gilman Gear, always a step ahead, Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better, Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing, Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. And Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Sally Ann Rice. Sally is the founder and the CEO of Play On which is a sports and recreation uh, management software program for schools, for teams, for clubs and camps. Uh, Sally, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much, it's a pleasure to be on.
0: Oh, well, uh, we appreciate it very much. Um, well, as you know, it's a busy time for uh, athletic directors and CEOs, so we're gonna jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. so. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, um, where you went to school and uh, sports background and and maybe how events led you to the uh, position you're at today.
1: Sounds great. Well, I actually was born in Western uh, British Columbia, um, Canada, Uh, went to University of Victoria and got a degree in economic political science. Um, Had at that time the privilege of also playing basketball for two years for UVic, Mm -hmm. as well as crewing for their uh, eight women crew boat. Um, so I have a strong background in sports, but um, did actually then leave Canada and I lived overseas in Australia, uh, Japan, and France for five years. I was overseas. Uh, most of that time I was working for a French investment bank, doing um, different types of investment work. And, um, and then I came to uh, the Bay Area and was working at the Hoover Institution on Stanford campus, uh, doing some work there for an economist. What happened then, which was, I mean, so it's like, well, so how did you get to where you're at? Um, Interesting enough, I actually started, I joined the startup world. Um, I joined a company that that name was Teleworld. And it was just uh, two guys, great guys, coming out of Silicon Graphics, and they had an idea. And uh, we launched a company which is now known as TiVo, the Pause Live TV. And that got me involved in that concept of taking an idea and making it into a company. And uh, so then I, after TiVo went public and I sort of moved on to my next experience, uh, which was kids, um, then I actually went back to work. And when I went back to work, I had the opportunity to really help startup companies. Um, And I started working with biotech companies. and I started working with all sorts of different companies because they're all the same. You take an idea, you figure out if it's a business And then you start to add value. And I always call it moving the football down the field, little by little every day. So that's where I got me. And then about where I am with Play On, I was actually working in a biotech company and I was also coaching girls basketball. Here in Palo Alto, I found myself helping manage a, a girls basketball academy, which had about 150 girls in it and um, we were so overwhelmed by the management of it. It was ridiculous. And I kept saying, there's got to be a better way. And, um, I was like using Eventbrite for this and Facebook for that and TeamSnap for this Like it was all over the place. And I just said, there's got to be a better way. And, um, there wasn't. So I hired some engineers. We built a prototype. I brought in all of my coaches and all of the administrators and athletes that I knew and had them weigh in on this. And it's, it's been something that's developed over time, but, uh, play on is really something that was supposed to be an answer to that expensive, time-consuming experience people were experiencing when they were trying to manage their sports.
0: Wow. Um, I read your bio a little bit. I got to ask before we talk about play on, um, your background in crew and rowing. Um, I've, Personally, I've never done it, but as a longtime football coach, I've had a number of my players go on to college university and they didn't play football, but they ended up on crew. And they've told me, you know, what a a, a physically demanding and at the same time, very rewarding uh, experience it was. You know, what was your experience with crew?
1: You know, it is interesting to me that crew is one of those things that if you're an athlete um, and they put you in a boat and you've never done it before, it's a, it's a quick learn of the basics. And if you're athletic and you have endurance and you have the ability to learn, if you're coachable, you can become a rower. I'm surprised that rowing's not more um, pervasive in younger communities because it's just a wonderful sport. You don't have to be big and burly. You can actually just be a great athlete, but it is an expensive sport. And so for communities um, that are, uh, don't have the wherewithal to be able to support the programs, it's expensive. Um, recently read a great book about uh, rowing in the Chicago communities and um, how there were some various people that brought rowing to the black communities there and how they taught kids, especially uh, young black men, How to Row
0: and How That Really Changed Their Life. Excellent book. Oh, that sounds very, very interesting. Um, Let's go and talk a little bit about Play On. Um, uh, I've heard of it before uh, and I went to your website and I was uh, uh, very taken by your mission statement uh, to help the athletic community thrive, I love that word thrive, uh, by enabling members to manage their sport activities effortlessly. Uh, in our uh, or in, in my world of athletic administration, you know, that, uh, you know, really spoke to me. So just tell our listeners who are mostly athletic directors, um, you know, about play on and, and what it might do for them.
1: Well, you know, athletic directors sort of have that un uh, that, that really important job that nobody gives them credit for, because they are working so hard just to get the kids to the playing field or to the gym. And there's so much that has to happen just to get them there. And what we wanted to be able to do is support that athletic director to be able to give them easy to use tools that was had no cost to it. Because again, a lot of these guys are running their sports programs on a pretty thin budget. So we made it free. We made it really easy to use. And we allow them all the tools of scheduling, communications, and be able to get people to sign up and you know sign forms and give them information, instant, easy, free to use. What that does is it gives them the tools now to be able to offer that also to the both the athlete, but also the parents or the, the fans, the supporters. Because now when they have everything up on Play On, the parents can come in and easily see the schedule or they can go in and they'll they don't have to sift through all their emails to look at communications it's right there on play on because the athletic director says this is my message and this is how you i want you to send it through text through email through a post and it makes it a lot easier because this is the internet age and you know you and i are maybe a little bit of relics where um our communication has been something where we see it much more in a message to message where we go to emails, but emails are something that the next generation don't use as much. So what they wanna be able to do is if I'm a younger athlete, a millennial, I wanna go, hey, what time is my game? And I wanna go find it. I wanna go find it into a place where I know it'll be. And I can see all the communications right there. I don't wanna to have to sift through my emails. And so this allows that high school director to easily set up their communications. So that yes, if people are still old school and they wanna get an email, they've got the email. But now also he's got a place to post all the communications that are necessary to say, hey, game is canceled, or we've moved the game, or um, you know, whatever it's going to be, or even just a marketing thing, like don't forget about the game, come out and support your team.
0: You know, it, it sounds very, very cool. And I know you've got you know clients across the country Uh, that are utilizing it, Um, share, you know, maybe at least one, maybe one or two uh, examples of some really cool applications that, you know, either an athletic director or an organization has uh, used this to uh, service their stakeholders.
1: Well, you know, we see it with athletic directors because they have um, so they've got basketball season and football season they've got boys and they've got girls and they've got varsity and they've got JV. And what we find of the athletic directors is sometimes the communication just goes directly into one team. But most often than not, it actually needs to go across all the different teams. And it's a reminder of, hey, don't forget what who we are as an organization. What is our school's brand? What do we stand for? Come out and support your team. Then there's a messaging that goes directly into the team that says something like, Don't forget, we're home team, so we're white. The connectedness of the athletic director to his whole community is really important. And I like I say that again, they're the unsung hero of the programs because they're the ones that have to go out and get everybody to get involved, everybody to get excited, everybody to show up. And I know that the athletes are there to, to play and to win, but without a really good organization and a connectedness of that leader, the athletic director to their community, um, it's kind of a hollow experience.
0: Uh, I, I see where you're coming from.
1: Um, and, and I wanted to add, you asked me one specific question. I love this group up in Washington um, state. There's a group up in Washington state that, um, the athletic director came to me and he says, I I don't understand computers. So, but I really want to, I really want to. And I said, we're going to make this so simple for you that you won't have any problems. And we set it up. So it also, by the way, they have a school website and we just plug into their school website in the backside. So now he can control everything through the back and he can put up the schedule and everything. And he is, um, you know, he's 62 years old. He has never been a computer person, but he's also become this big techie guy because everybody thinks, wow, look what you're doing. And it cost him zero to implement it. And so he's a star to everybody. And that's what we want to do. We want to make those guys feel really enabled.
0: Oh, That's very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, uh, I kind of skipped over myself. Um, you know, obviously your background is quite varied both athletically and, and in the business and the tech world. Um, in our business um, of athletic administration, we always talk about the importance of leadership and mentorship. Yes. And uh, just always curious, who are some of your mentors, uh, either coaches you had growing up or people that you've worked with or worked for? Um, the expression I like to use is, uh, I still hear those voices in my head of my mentors when I'm talking to coaches or kids or parents. So whose voices do you still hear?
1: Well, you know, my, um, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, So I had a coach when I was in high school. Um, I was a fairly decent basketball player. And uh, we had been uh, successful in my senior year, and we were going to go to the state finals, essentially the state. It was our provincial finals. And I was not being a good leader, right? I was, um, and, and the, what he said to me was, as captain of the team, it is not your job to take the energy away from other people by demanding they do things. It's your job to fill them up with energy. And I think nowadays we call that filling up the cup.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he really taught me a good lesson that it's not, As captain of the team and leadership, it's not about being the best person, best player, fastest, most scoring, you know, best defense. It was about the person who could motivate the rest of the kids on the team. And he drilled that into me in a way that was hard. Sometimes it was really hard for me to hear. Um, He would bench me even at the cost of losing a game because I wasn't enabling my other players I was just taking the glory for myself. That was a hard lesson in life. Uh, Andy Gilbert was his name. And, um, and when I learned that lesson, I became a better person for it. And I not only took that lesson from sports and, be, and applied that as I went on, and I actually ended up playing uh, in some semi-professional sports after I graduated from university, um, but I learned that to take that in work and when I work with my team, and even here at play on, what I always say to our team is, my job is not to do your job. My ball. My job is to get you the ball and then you score. Mm-hmm. That was a big lesson in life. And that's leadership to me. Leadership is about not being at the head. It's actually about supporting the others to make sure that they are the ones that score.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great story and again, I'm the Adelaide Director of a private School, and so our parents are um, you know, in the business world, professionals, yeah. et cetera, and in talking with them, you know, they just uh, are always sharing that their world is very much team oriented and you know trying to get the best out of each other. So uh, it's great to hear those parallels.
1: Yeah And if I could add one last thing, because this is important. I have also been I've been in every role. I've been uh, you know, leading a program, I've been a coach. I've been an athlete. I've also been a parent of kids. Mm-hmm. I've got three children of my own who are all graduated and moved on to high school or to university. Um, I would ask every athletic director to also check in with his parents about what does it mean to win, right? What is success for your program? Because I think that what we sometimes hear in our head is, um, The narrative of the professional world. And so we see a lot of kids who are shooting for that professional uh, route of sports, which is fine. I mean, it's great to have aspirations. But when you have 10 kids on a team, and only one of them is good to even think about that route, and you set up success as being a scholarship, then that means that nine kids fail. So I always say to athletic directors, what you have to do is get buy-in from your whole community, the players, the parents, the other coaches, everything else like that is, what is success for your program? And I think the best success is making better people, right? And then also making sure that they love the game, whether they get a scholarship or not, right? One of the things about the vision of play on And one of the things that we feel very strongly about is we've created a software that is about encouraging lifetime participation in sports. PlayOn is not just for athletic directors, it's also for recreational districts so that they can use it to be able to encourage and support people like you and me who still still got some game and I still play basketball. And so encourage those people to get out and play. that's kind of what I'm always about. Athletic directors' jobs are hard enough as a did with all the things that they have to do. And what is really helpful is when they say, look, my job is to make sure that our coaches are creating good people through sports. And I think that's a key. And I, I see so many great coaches doing that nowadays and power to them. Yeah,
0: I'm so glad you shared that. Just, uh, and I'll go and comment on a couple of yours. Uh, The parent piece, um, you know, I'm currently part of a team that's writing a new course for our national curriculum, and it's called partnering with parents. Uh, And one of those components is, you know, making sure you communicate what your program's philosophy is, if your philosophy is to you know, send kids to college and, you know, win every game and win a state championship, you know, that's okay, but make sure you've communicated that to the parents and the kids so they understand it. Um, Our philosophy at our school, and we're very successful, we we have won quite a few state championships, but our philosophy is very simple. Uh, It it just says we want every kid to have a great high school experience through athletics. And, you know, that includes games and winning and sometimes not winning and practice and bus rides and everything else. But we're very upfront with our parents and our kids. Yeah, we want to win, but that's not our goal. The winning is a byproduct of doing all the other things right. Coming to practice, working hard, supporting that's your right. teammates, you know, all the things that you talked about. So uh, yeah.
1: might you have know, to get Jake, you
0: on uh, our, uh, our writing team for this new course.
1: <laughs> that's great. You know, Jake, I really uh, it's so great to hear that. Because one of the things that we always talk about now is, um, especially in education, and I do actually work uh, with some educators here, is um, the goal is to win, right? Like, and in life, the goal for me with my relationship with my husband is to have a great relationship. That's winning to me. Um, the goal in, with my relationship with my kids is that they, I've given them the skills to win in life. Winning is something that we all want to do. Um, But I also really think that what you're saying is you got to have the tools in place to win. Mm -hmm. And so uh, learning resilience, learning how to compete, which means also learning sportsmanship and learning all those things, communications, all those different things that come along with it are the reason that I feel that uh, sports programs should not be extracurricular, I want them to be co-curricular. I've stolen
0: my phrase. Yes. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey,
1: um, I think that uh, we learn so much through sports when we are younger that has nothing to do with actually how to shoot a basketball or how to throw a football. It has to do how to be a good teammate. How to fail and then learn from that failure and come back and be a better person, how to communicate properly, how to train, how to apply yourself, all those things. And I know that educators who are teaching chemistry and mathematics and they're teaching the same skill set, but there's no place to learn resilience as well as sports. Kids today, if they fail a chemistry test, they are devastated. And they just typically will say, "Oh, that's no longer my major." But when you fail a game and you get thumped in a game or you lose by one point by game, you learn like, "Well, okay, so what do we do right? What do we do wrong?" It's not the end of the world. You just come back. And so, there's no better route to learning resilience than sports. Sorry, I'm on no, my no, no, it's I a, apologies. It,
0: <laughs> no. It's no, uh, it's. Um... I'll send you the PowerPoint. You've hit about uh, you know, eight out of 10 of the things I share when I, I speak to schools about building a championship program. And it's not about you know, winning those games or titles. It's about all the things that you just mentioned. You know That's yeah. how we become champions. So no, thank you so much. Um, we've been asking our athletic directors um, to describe what's happening in their area with regards to COVID. And I know you're not at a single school, but uh, can you share with us um, what's happening in California right now? What's happening in the Bay Area as far as maybe return to school as well as return to play?
1: So I can actually speak across the country and even across North America, because we we have a lot of Canadians that use the play on platform as about 15% and 85% is American. Uh, We do have a couple over in Australia and different places as well, too. What we see going on is the advice that was given by the, the CDC, which was cohort your groups. So I would actually say back in March, you're right. Everything came to a screeching halt while everybody figured out what was going on. They're like, okay, what does this mean? And so athletic directors and um, directors of recreational programs, everybody said, stop. Right now, shut down, which we saw that happen. And then we started to understand what this virus does and how we don't need to necessarily shut down all the programs, we need to adjust. And so that is actually what we've seen a lot of programs as they're coming back into engaging the kids again is saying, how can we adjust our programs so that we can get kids back into active participation? Because we all know that it can actually be more detrimental than than anything to just have kids sitting at home. And in fact, I've seen it firsthand how kids have gone from seven days a week training, playing, loving the game to laying in bed and are now extremely depressed because we live off of those endorphins from Mm sports. So what, here's what we've seen them do. A lot of them have pivoted their programs from being okay. We're in this league. We're going to compete uh, that team against this team to We're going to create our own internal school competitions. And cause people like to compete. They like to feel like they're doing something for a purpose. So number one, they've changed all of their programs to training. So it's not about competing as much as it is training. And so it's gone from us challenging them to me as an athlete becoming a better athlete. So we're focusing, actually, it's a great thing because we're focusing a lot more on individual skill sets. So that's great, right? So now you've got all of this training going on and people are starting to say, well, okay, I've now gone from a, you know, 10 minute mile to an eight minute mile or whatever it is going to be. Um, yeah, I was a 10 minute miler, by the way, I don't like, unless there's a ball in my hand, I don't like running. Um, but the whole point was, is that we've seen them go to a lot of training. Then when they want to do some, some, uh, challenging, what they're doing is cohorts and they're doing it in a really responsible way where they'll say, we're going to play, um, these four teams only and we're just going to keep playing them over and over and over again and everybody as they come into that experience will agree prior to that that they will be um, temperature tested before every practice anybody that's sick whether they're your best player or their worst sit it out and it we've seen a lot of success with that and so we've seen these cohorts or also known as pods actually Mm -hmm. working i actually just so that you know that everything that we've seen happen comes back and it fits the story of what the the government is saying to do in sports they put a lot of effort into saying look we know it's going to everybody wants to come back if you're going to come back do this and there's a lot of good advice for them we even have it we have a thing called play on stories and you can actually check it out there we actually have all the links to the reports on How do I come back? Set up cohorts, set up training. And that's working. And I really actually think that that's going to be, as every good athletic director knows, you can't keep kids from not wanting to play. Mm -hmm. And that's what sports are. Getting out, getting physical, doing exercises. Just do it safely.
0: Mm -hmm. And again, I appreciate you sharing that. It's just been interesting to see the the wide variety of responses from, yes. you know, governors and uh, local health departments and school districts, uh, you know, here in Florida, um, you know, we uh, delayed the start of fall sports uh, for a month. And then even when they started up uh, a month later in August, uh, we still had parts of the state, uh, particularly down in the Miami area that uh, are just now getting back on campus. And so yes. it's uh, it's just been, um, like I said, it's been a whole new world, but it's interesting to see one. how things are going to move forward for us. Go ahead.
1: That's right. Well, I was just going to also say is that um, that is both uh, children and adults that we see here in California are, are actually playing a lot of sports outside, right? Because we can. Um, you asked me about California. One of the things I definitely noticed is that people have moved their basketball training outside, their volleyball training outside, as much as they can be outside, they're doing it. because Just because we know that the being outside is so much better. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we always see is that areas that have a transmission rate over one do actually shut down again. Areas that have a transmission rate of less than one are starting to do as we said small cohorts proper training um, you know we actually think that kids and coaches and everybody are getting used to you know just being able to pull up and down their masks when they're when they come in together and they're they're within you know we always say a reach up goes the mask when they're training down goes the mask and we see a lot of that going on but I think people are starting as we said adjusting to pivoting to what they need to be able to do because if you said to me Sally Ann the only way that we're going to let you play tennis is if you adhere to these three rules wear a mask when you're not actually on the court uh sanitize your hands in between every set and when you are there nobody touches each other's uh, rackets or anything else like that I'd be like I'm in right I'll do anything to be able to play
0: no, and, and that I think is is a crucial point is you know we want to keep playing the games. you know we want to continue to be active. So um, how much do you want it? okay? you know let's uh, let's not mess it up for somebody else. okay? That's. Right. Great, great points. Um, another question we've been asking our athletic directors is, is uh, a little bit more global. Um, when we started doing this uh, back in uh, late June, you know, the events, of uh, this spring in, in Minneapolis and Atlanta, and then recently in um, Wisconsin, you know, we're still, you know, front page news, um, and just this whole idea of you know social justice, social awareness. Uh, I've been asking our athletic directors, what are some things that we can do uh, with our stakeholders, with our kids, our coaches, our parents? You know, what are some things that we can do better? uh in this area of social awareness so i'm curious as to your
1: thoughts well first of all uh i'm a white probably considered privileged female so first of all i want to apologize right because i think there has been a lot of social injustice built into the system for years um i don't think it's my fault i don't think it's your fault per se because i don't think we are intentionally treating people differently but i do think that if you Um, are really honest with the truth is that there are a lot of social injustices not intentional it's just the way the systems played out so. um, Sports is a great leveler in some ways, and this is what I always say to folks is that. um, One of the other things about sports that we don't talk about that you learn in chemistry class is you learn respect. Right, Sports teaches you respect for other people's abilities. And if you are, like when I play tennis and I get beat by somebody who's better than me, I got respect for them. Um, so in sports, it becomes a real level playing field for learning how to respect other people for their abilities. And um, this is a place where we, sports, especially with the fact that a lot of um, Black African-Americans Hispanics in soccer, all those different things, have the ability to come out and be leaders and create an environment of showing leadership so that kids can see other people respecting them. And there's a great line in that book that I was telling you about before about um, the Black African-American rowing crew. Um, And it was in the book, they say, uh, "If you can't see it, you can't be it." So, Black African, Hispanic, Brown, whatever, diversity um, leaders have the ability to actually be leaders and speak on issues. I, I'm not going to move the needle, but if they come forward and and ask to be treated uh, with respect, I think it's a a really big move. Now, there's an interesting one that. Um, in my tennis world, again, I'm also now a tennis player. Um, There was a young lady who won the US Open um, that is actually of Japanese descent. And I have a lot of respect for the fact that she came out and said, yes, I'm Japanese. It's not our immediate image of what a Japanese person would be like, but her voice and speaking out as somebody who's a leader in sport and speaking out for social, Equality was powerful. And I just really encourage people to use those voices to encourage that we all try and uh, speak the truth and um, give each other uh, a level of respect which is deserved.
0: Good stuff. You know, we we talk about respect uh, a lot. Well, Sally, this has just been great, uh, you know, listening to you, getting to know you a little bit, but we're not done yet. Uh, We always like to wrap up with what we call the new athletic director's toolbox. Now, you know, again, you've been in athletics for most of your life uh, at a lot of different levels, participant, coach, parent, uh, CEO, uh, but now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox what three things are going to go in Sally Ann Rice's athletic director toolbox?
1: Uh, virtually or emotionally, or what are you talking about?
0: Uh, yes. To the question, you know, what three things are you going to put in there? <laughs> We've had all kinds of answers. Uh, so, uh, oh, uh, wow.
1: Can... Um, gosh, where to start? Hey, I'm um, number one, obviously is I would put their, um, play on platform in their toolbox of course um and jake your community if they want to reach out to me directly i'd be happy to walk them through and make them successful on the platform we have a team here of people that um sole job is to make sure that our customers are successful that's it let's
0: go ahead and uh, address that right now how would someone listening to this what's the best way for them to get in touch with the folks at play on
1: well, uh, if they uh, want to just send, shoot us an email, info at playon.com. But if you go to our playon website and uh, you, you sign up, because sign up is free. There, there's no cost to play on for the athletic organizer. So if they go on and they create something, they're going to get a little blue bubble in the bottom. And if they just touch on that little blue button and say, hey, Coach Jake sent me you know i need some help figuring out what this does we'd be happy to do that okay um and and like i said this is a job of our whole team here is to make sure that athletic directors and uh, coaches are successful in what they're doing that's number one okay um number two what would i put in there um because i know they don't have a lot of time in their hands um but i always love the movie remember the titans Right? I think it's a very powerful book about what we learn through sports, right? And it's, it's about camaraderie. It's about your community and what you're really trying to accomplish through your relationships in, in sports. And then if I was actually to put something in there uh, for the athletic directors, I think it would be a, um, if I'm not allowed to give it without actually having to pay for it. <laughs> I would actually give them the opportunity to take a a vacation, a seven-day vacation where they get to go and do their favorite thing and reflect on all the values that they are really trying to bring to the kids because that's what they're really trying to do. I know that most of these athletic directors, it's not just a job. They're trying to change the life of kids for the better. And um, I asked them you know, remember what your values are and what makes you such a great person and then how you wanna make sure that you're passing those on to the kids and what does your program reflect to do that? So take a vacation, remember and reflect on your values. Cause I think that that's what makes us wake up every day and love our jobs.
0: Great, great advice. And uh, I wish I had that toolbox when I was starting out. Okay. (laughs) Sally-Ann, Thank you again. Um, athlete, coach, uh, mom, CEO. Okay. Uh, at all. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Jake, it's always my pleasure. And to all those athletic directors out there. Um, I just want to say to you again, that you guys are huge in the lives of our children and we really do appreciate all the work that you're doing for us.
0: On behalf of the ADs, I say, thank you. That's, uh, more information, that's playon, dot uh And, you know, let Sally and her team uh, help you out. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget, these are also available on the Educational Athletic Director FIAAA YouTube channel. Have a great day.